welcome to Point of Origin, episode 61, the show where today Daniel's only job is to translate, honestly, not important comments from Teal'c. I have one job on this ship, it's stupid, but I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but notice that they gave Teal'c, you know, obviously, I, I couldn't help but notice the obvious, which was that they gave to, uh, Teal'c a bit more of a role. In this yeah. episode, I just love how, as usual, the uh, the writers demonstrate they don't really know how to give everybody an equal <laughs> portion per episode. Like, if one person gets more of a presence than the other one, somebody gets less. And it's just kind of like, okay. They tried to, like, throw Daniel a bow with, like, yeah, you, you'll contact our friends, but nothing came of that one. <laughs> Like, they get a pass on it in certain episodes, like when, for example, when you can't get your lines out because you're laughing too hard. Yeah. That's one thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, here it's just like, hi, Daniel, I remember you. I don't think the I writers think do. I think you're here. I think you're here. <laughs> it was very nice of them to put him in the control panel with Sam when they were dialing through so he could talk on the microphone with Teal. Again, just to do another unnecessary translation job. Hey, I'm in the episode. Pay me. <laughs> he did more. He was in more of this episode in the first five minutes than he was in the entire rest of this episode. That's yeah, not an I mean, exaggeration. I guess it's not that unfair, considering how he probably wasn't that useful while uh, Sam was, you know, just casually building yeah, a particle no. beam generator in a couple of months. No, like, honestly. Didn't know how easy that was. Ultimately, like, he didn't have much to do because there's nothing for the solution they come up with. There's not much he can do. But, like, it's just so funny that, like, he's in quite a lot of the first seven minutes of this episode. And then he's just gone. <laughs> yeah, I find it. Yeah. The funny thing about this episode is one of the ways they, I vaguely feel like they misuse him at the same time i don't really know if it qualifies because as an archaeologist there really isn't anything to say that he would be like and i think i'm using this word right think being the operative word he's I, there's nothing to suggest that he would be a dendrologist as well the guy who can just study tree rings yeah that doesn't no that's yeah so yeah, no. so we're good we're good on that front i'm sure you know where i'm going with that oh yeah 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 but I could have seen all, if you wanted to give him said, a more balanced role. As Daniel to study rocks, I was like, that's not really... Right, but at the same time, <laughs> it does make sense for an archaeologist to have a certain amount of geology training there, too, because you'd have to be able to read a geologic record. Yeah, you have you to have a think. certain concept yeah. so that you know that you can get an idea for, like, layers of timeline. Yeah. But... It did feel a little forced, so I was just thinking, like, if you wanted to balance his character out a little bit in this, his presence in this episode, I feel like you could have, because he has, like, a bunch of degrees already. He's already known for yeah. being extension smart, so it wouldn't yeah. really have been that far off to throw in a botany experience bit there where all of a sudden he knows how to read tree rings and shit, because supposedly they've been on this planet for a while, and I would have thought it could be plausible that in the meantime they're doing a fuck ton of tests one I of which think. means not in and as an avid leave the trees alone person you can cut <laughs> down like one of the biggins to find out what the record i could see it being writable i'm not really complaining that it's not a thing but i'm just pointing out that if you wanted to give daniel a yeah, equal something share to do <laughs> granted that would mean that he'd probably have to have they would have had to push back the uh the impetus of this episode, which probably would have impacted the writing negatively. So I feel like maybe somebody already weighed this and went like, no, fuck that. Here's where the yeah, gap is going to be. 
it almost felt like they spent too much in the first half to begin with. Yeah, I feel like they. I feel like they had to. Um, I feel like it was a necessary evil. They'd already. Yeah, it kind was. Of, they'd already kind of crossed the convenience bridge a few times by then. There's a yeah. few things that was like, wait. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if this is an episode where there's a lot that got cut. Like the first half was like longer, and they basically had to keep trimming it down until they got it to the right length. You know, maybe it could have been that. I could just see it being that you know he just was the writer was just trying to like, you know squeeze it down because you only have forty minutes. I could see it going either way. Like honestly, the, this didn't feel too choppy. Like sometimes we've kind of gotten oh, no, the no. vibe of from an episode. So I'm not no, saying no, it not wasn't like, that it cuts um, that out, but I just don't, I didn't get that vibe as much. Not sure like what the, what was. is it, Secrets, Bad. the Terry Curtis Fox one? <laughs> yeah, whatever it was, yeah. There was where one that were definitely like, definitely under the knife a couple times. You know, it just feels like they probably had more of the beginning and then realized that we gotta keep cutting this down until we get it to a... I don't know, yeah. I, I feel like this one... I feel like this one was a little more planned, honestly, but... Yeah, it's just there's a very fine line. Like I said, they almost spent too much time in the first half of this, so... Uh, but let's actually talk about it. <laughs> like, instead of talking around it, like... I hate that do. phrase. It makes it sound like we're not talking about it. We're just I talking know. about a teaser, so it's fine. Now yes, let's just yes, get into the main the part. Yes, teaser, but before that, I'm Mel. And I'm Liz. And uh, today's episode, episode 17... A hundred days. Of season three. Yeah, season three. <laughs> season three, episode 17, a hundred days. This is one of, um, VC James is back as the story. What do you mean back? This is his only one, according to the trivia. Is it? I swear yeah. I've seen VC James before. Yeah, you're right. For some reason, VC James... Oh, wait, no. I don't know why it's his only... Oh, no, it's excerpt. Never mind. Okay. For some reason, in my head, VC James has been here before, but I guess I've just seen this credit before. Sorry, yeah. The story is by V.C. James, uh, but it's actually written by Brad Wright. Yeah, teleplay or something like that, right? Yeah, the teleplay. I do love that, whatever that line is. I know that we know what it is now, but it's just, I just find it funny that sometimes it's just straight up, no, this guy wrote the episode, it's fine. And then sometimes it's like, well, they wrote a a concept, but... They don't know how to do it for the screen, so at one point we had to boot them. Yeah. I mean, there's one coming up where the story is by two people, and then it's written by Brad Wright again. Ugh. I don't look forward to that kind of stuff. It just feels like if you have too many influences, you start getting too complicated. Like, this is still a 40-minute thing. Well, spoiler, but that's Crystal Skull. Never mind, that tracks. <laughs> yeah. No, like, like, I love that episode, but it's not exactly, it's, yeah. uh... It's not, a it's not a tight episode. <laughs> no, it's 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 not. God, that episode feels so much later in the show, honestly, considering how haphazard it, does. it is. Like that's yeah. an episode that feels like a show that's tired already. It it's it's definitely one of the because we said like I think since like the second half of season two that they were starting to get that balance between like the the cheesy and the dramatic. But Crystal Skull is definitely one of them that falls a little bit more on the... <laughs> that falls by the wayside a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is one of them where there's pretty much no cheesy. It's all dramatic. Sometimes to its detriment. Oh, just a touch. But, yeah, just a little bit. Especially with the one plot line that you told me about where I'm not pleased with that. And we're going to pretend it doesn't exist because they never say it out loud, so it doesn't exist. It's that one uh, 
the rule I have for headcanon until it's explicitly told to me. It's not true. Or <laughs> the opposite. And considering it was just said that it was a dropped storyline, that's not being explicitly told to me. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, written by Brad Wright, which I think, uh, explains, like, the tight timeline for this. Like, Brad Wright, out of all these writers, would know how to, like, ride that line between this is when we need to cut off this first half and go into the second half. Where was that discretion in politics? There's only so much you can do with a clip show. (laughs) I demand miracles. Yeah. Although, considering Brad Wright, I'm a little disappointed in him with one scene that goes way too far into tell and very little show. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so written by Brad Wright and directed by David Wary Smith. Once again, I was not wary. There's, There's a couple of great shots, yeah. No, he did a good There's job. one that I really freaking... Yeah, he loved that joke every time he's here. <laughs> hey, I'm not good at jokes, okay? So once I find one that's, like, even slightly chuckle-worthy, I stick with You're it. You're like, yeah, this one's mine now. There's, like, nine people that listen to us. Whatever. <laughs> that's... We'll add that one to the bingo card when I eventually make it. List makes it I'm not wary of David Wary jokes. <laughs> Okay, but yeah, so we go into the episode and we start on a planet. And when I say on a planet, I don't mean on Earth. I mean on another planet. <laughs> so I have a question for you. Yeah. As this episode opens, uh-huh. as far as I'm aware, it's never stated outright that they have been there for months. It no, seems like how a long few they've been days. There. I got they've more of a feel that they've been there, been there for like a couple bit. of weeks at max. Yeah, honestly. I would have said like okay. two weeks or something. So that that that's just something that's in a bit of the, one of the trivia notes I read. It seemed like it. All I know is at some points I read that right here. Uh, la la la. Yeah, I know you. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it was it. Yeah, I remember reading they'd been here for several months, and I was like, "There's nothing saying that." Doubt that. I feel like you took feel, weeks there and went a little overboard. Yeah. I feel if they'd been there for several months, uh, some of the less favorable people to them would have been a little bit more open to Yeah, they would have already point. been, like, acquainted at that point. Like, at least a little yeah. bit. This, what, this didn't feel like a Cassandra planet situation. This felt like a, uh, on the way to Cassandra planet situation. Like, it didn't seem like it was day one, but it definitely felt more like no, day no. 17 than... Yeah, yeah, I would 16. say more like two weeks instead of <laughs> yeah. two months. Okay, cool. Just want uh, that on record. No, I agree with you 100%. But yeah, so they're on this planet, and they are all sat with um, Lyra, who is... Lyra. 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 You know what? I kept saying Lyra, and then, of course, the moment I say it out loud for this, I say Lyra. <laughs> Lyra, who is, you know someone from this planet, and she is showing them the fire rain that this planet has once a year? Is that was it, was Supposedly, it year? yeah. Okay, oh yeah, and so I have a question about this dialogue here. That's a this wild rotation. Me. Well, <laughs> not really. That's like Pleiades, if you think about it. That's it's not, it's not that uncommon. Um, my, what, what kills me here is the fact that... <sighs> I don't know, the dialogue is just one of those things where it's like, did you read your own dialogue from ten seconds ago? Because (laughs) they're sitting there waiting, and somebody asks her, when is it going to happen? And she says, okay, I don't know exactly the order of this, because of course I've only seen it like four times, but whatever. Yeah. She says it'll happen on this night. But if not right before that or right after that, I'm pretty sure Daniel says, we haven't seen it any of the nights previous. 
does that imply that you've been sitting here waiting for it, even though she apparently knew the entire time that it was only going to be on this night? Because it seemed a little funny to me. <laughs> um, I mean, that could just be, hey, we've been out and about and haven't seen Right, anything. okay, and that's fine. I could see that too, yeah. but I just, that one stuck out to me as potentially silly. Because I've kind of, I feel like it was worded interestingly. I feel like it could have been done slightly better in terms yeah, yeah, of just probably. like overall grammar or something i don't know i also don't know how much of a point there is to daniel saying we haven't seen it any other nights I, 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 again maybe it was just a desperate struggle to give him some dialogue since he's barely yeah that's episode. it it's just like please give michael some dialogue i'm begging you <laughs> it's just so funny because like there's usually the the concept of like we've talked about before about like how teal only has like one job on this show and they still do rely on him as the muscle in this episode. Yeah, but it's in like a it's in a more nuanced different phrase. Way. Yeah, yeah. Phrase way. But like this is Daniel's version of it, where it's like Daniel, your your job on this show is to be translator. Cool. Can I do anything else uh, off screen? Oh, okay. <laughs> to go with that theme though, what really kills me is in a little in a little bit. Sam's gonna say some stuff, and she'll point. She'll say like, okay, I'm gonna go check how the planet's alignment is, basically. Yeah. And Daniel says, and I'm gonna go do my thing. And I'm just laughing, because I'm sitting here going, if they've been here for a few days, why haven't they already checked this? Like, Fire Rain could only have translated to so many things to begin with. There's no way in hell the astrophysicist wouldn't have already kind of put two and two together here, at least as a theory, and would have already investigated a little bit. I think what they're trying to suggest is that because this is the first moment of, so basically, um, leading into that, I'll, I'll lead into it to say what I think there. So they're they're watch, they're waiting for it, and they do start to see it, and um, they see like the first one, and Daniel calls it uh, a falling star, and then Tilk's like, "Oh, we call it blah blah blah," and then Daniel just looks at him for a minute and goes, "Which translates to falling star," <laughs> and that's, that's part number one of Daniel being the translator. <laughs> um, Percy. But I do love his, I love, like, they give him very little to do, but he goes for it every time, and it's funny. <laughs> but then, like, they're explaining, uh, like, falling stars to Lyra and everything, and she starts talking about how it operates on her planet, and this is, this is the moment that she says that it happens, like, every year, predictably on the same, like, day. Like, like, you can pinpoint it down i think maybe that's why they had daniel go oh we haven't seen it the last couple nights because she's going no no it's always this day right is when it starts yeah and that's where sam go- starts to go hey if it's that predictable that sounds like you're going through a debris field that still kind of falls into my issue of like how this conversation not take place what in any shape or form up until now that being said i did look it up because i was like wait that's wrong because i have the tattoo <laughs> Of the Pleiades. It's the Perseid meteor shower that I'm thinking of. That one's about <laughs> once a year. That year, This year, it actually, well, in, where we live, it'll peak around uh, August 11th. Ooh. We but that one's an annual. It. But I do like, actually, now I kind of do like the uh, the dialogue a little bit better because that does point out that, I don't know, it, it's both problematic and better <laughs> because, for example, on this meteor shower, yeah, it starts on July 17th, apparently. Like, they seem to have mm-hmm. that down to a day. Yeah. But like I said, there's a peak day. That's the uh, 11th of August. So it seems interesting that everybody's able to uh, plan this with exact timing, but we're able to. And so I'm guessing some along the way managed to figure that out. So I guess it's not that bad. It seems interesting, but I guess, honestly, the fact that the near miss happens on this, you know, first night tells you that maybe it actually is just the beginning of it. 
versus yeah, yeah. the uh, peak. So, you know what? I guess I've talked myself into it. It's cool. Yeah, and she also, after that, after they do have the first near miss, so basically they're watching them, and then one comes really close to the planet. And that's kind of what yeah. uh, prompts, you know, Sam and Daniel to both be like, we need to investigate this a little bit more. And they both come at it from their own specific science angles. Even if you don't connect the dots, I don't know about you, but if I hear fire rain, I'm going to be doing a little bit of investigating before the night it's supposed to well, happen. Here's the thing. This is actually what I wanted to talk about. And it's it's a minor defense and it's not something that's explicitly supported by the text, but I would buy it. Like, they've been here for a couple weeks, but they do say later on in this episode that the reason that they've been sticking around is that there's mineable Nakwada in the soil and they want to get that out. So they're trying to negotiate, you know, trade agreements with these people. There's a chance that because this is just like an annual thing that, that seems like a normal thing for this planet, until the fire rain came up, like, was about to happen, they didn't bring it up to the SG-1. I do not disagree with any of that. I still just find it funny that it happened to not, because there's a good chance at the same time that it could have been brought up, because, like, let's say people yeah. are, like, you know, talking about, okay, we're gonna start a treaty soon. Well, that's good. This will probably take a few days. What luck. In a few days, we're gonna be having this, uh, you know, yeah, no. fire rain display, which, by the way, I know it sounds terrifying, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, like like I said, it's a it's a faint defense. It's like I could buy it, but <laughs> but yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. It's not like it's a, it's it isn't like an egregious error. It's just funny. There's yeah. a lot of little oh, convenience absolutely. moments that in the beginning are kind of necessary to get the ball rolling, and I just you know yeah yeah reflect on them. Yeah, so basically, they get a near miss with the fire rain uh, that has Sam and Daniel both going to their respective sides of science to uh, investigate this a little bit more closely because they're a little worried. Especially because Lyra, Lyra specifically says tomorrow is when it, it really hits. Like, this is just the opening. Tomorrow is when it, like, really becomes a thing. So it's with Sam, it's her, you know, analyzing the uh, the rotations and all that stuff, the, the alignments. Daniel uh, is... With Teal has led to this, uh, like, cave area with interesting rock formations that he's investigating. Ooh, this striation. And look, another striation that's so similar. Yeah. And they basically both come to... Well, Sam kind of confirms that, yeah, they are going through, like, a debris field. With uh, a 3D render that seems to have been whipped up pretty fast. Like, yeah. I don't I don't know about you, but I feel like that would have taken a little bit longer than the... I don't know what seven or eight hours she had available to her. Also, I since also when has she been able to do that so fast? Like, why does she have that love, skill? I love that she eh, shows that that a much. computer screen... To a clearly, like, incredibly rural, undeveloped woman. It just expects her to understand what she's showing her. <laughs> yeah, and it works perfectly fine. Yeah, it's fine. Like I said, lots to of convenience in that beginning. She says that they also say that the fire rain in, like, their ancestors' tears or something. It's It's cool. It's fine. Just show her this laptop screen with the rotations of her planet on it. It'll be fine. And it was. <laughs> Yeah, it was, apparently. Well, Lyra's a very forward thinker. <laughs> Lucky them. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, on Daniel's side with Teal'c and the... Is he supposed to be her son? 
Garen? Okay. Yeah. I assumed, but then, like, later on, with how pushy she is about another thing, I was like, she, she wanted to, but her husband died, so then she went and found herself a new dude. She Wait, had like, a plan. <laughs> she did have a plan. I guess we gotta respect that. I'm choosing to not think about it too harshly in any, in any perspective. I'm choosing not yeah. to think about it too much, because nothing ever ends up happening, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying it didn't happen. It didn't happen. <laughs> Who cares? It's fine. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, on Daniel's end, he's basically discovering some uh, evidence left in the rock striations that he's like, oh yeah, we, we've had evidence like this back on Earth. And the son, who, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, I know him. Where do I know him from? It turns out I know him from Psych. Nice. He was in one episode and he was the killer. <laughs> Well, he's back again in a in a in Stargate Atlantis in a couple of years. So it was just so funny because I was like, I know him, I know him, and then I pulled up his IMDb and I'm like, doesn't have a lot of credits. How do I know him? And I'm so psyched, and I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, so oh, the kid's real like, quick. oh, that yeah. Real quick ahead. before you uh, get going on that though, I did want to make sure that I noted uh, one thing that killed me is when they're coming into the setup of this scene, like when the scene's opening up on the village. I yeah. could I could not stop laughing because as they're going through the guest star list, a guy, an extra, comes into frame pushing a cart. It's just the world's worst cart. It's the world's worst <laughs> cart. Like its <laughs> wheels are fucking sideways. Basically, it's it was not built well. It was like I think it was like some antique or something they found and just were like, well, it'll roll. No, it did not. It did not roll fine. Because <laughs> seriously, no, it it's, did it's, not. it's terrible. Yes. It's absolutely terrible. I just wanted to put that on record. Somebody need to be shamed for that. Oh, we didn't actually talk about Daniel living his Farmer Brown lifestyle with his floppy uh, hat on his back and the, the straw in his mouth when they yeah. were watching the fire rain. The original version of our joke, what was it like? He's here to translate. He's here to chew straw and translate for teal. And he's all out and of he's straw. he's all out of straw. <laughs> out of nowhere in his next scene in that in that scene it was like he was just leaning back it was the profile shot he had his hat back and everything and then when they actually go to another camera angle and it's like directly face on with him suddenly he's got straw in his mouth and it's like michael did you get bored because you didn't have much to do <laughs> dude you couldn't pay me to put random crap in my mouth like that. no there are bugs out in nature there's, I mean, you better hope a dog didn't walk through there and shit or piss on it at some point. I mean, just have fun with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yuck. But yeah, so we get Daniel and Teal'c and the kid from Psych in the cave. And Daniel's like, yeah, I've seen striations like this back on Earth. And the kid's like, oh, that's that's good, right? Because then you know what it is. And Daniel's like, no. he says no. it's cool because he learned it from Jack. Oh, yeah, and that's <laughs> cool. Yeah, and I do, yeah, he says cool. And Daniel kind of gives him this look and he's like, oh, I, I heard. Jack saying it. And you can see in Daniel's so face. Cute. Daniel doesn't say anything, but you can see in Daniel's face, he's like, oh no, not another Scotta. <laughs> Jack, how do you keep doing this? <laughs> Nothing said, just in his face, you can see it. That's the one thing, when you don't give Michael a lot to do on the camera, he does a lot with his face. <laughs> but yeah, so he's like, uh, actually, it's not not cool at all because uh back on earth when we saw evidence of this it was usually the sign of a god why am i blanking on the word extinction event extinct thank you i couldn't think of extinction apocalyptic apocalyptic came to mind but extinction did not yeah, but close. it's usually an extinction event 
And they're like, uh, that's not good, is it? He's like, no, no, it's not. No. <laughs> so all of SG-1 are basically coming to this town like, hey, this could be really bad. And like they get, they talk to SG-1, uh, SGC first, like, hey, you know, this is bad. If we can get them off planet, like as a temporary emergency evacuation, just in case something goes really wrong with tonight, that'd be good. And at first Hammond's like, a whole a whole village and like no it's it's a small village it's fine it's fine <laughs> and basically you know so we yes we take but them. whatever yeah yeah it's a whole village but it's a small one <laughs> and basically like if we can you know get them off for that night then hopefully nothing happens and we can just send them back the next day and it'll be fine but you know just we, we want to be careful and because it's a small i do village, like sam's dialogue but though she says you know because so best case it's just for a night and then we send them back then you know whenever Worst case, we're saving what's left of a people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, they, they go to the people of the village and they're like, hey, uh, this could be really bad for you tonight. Like, you had a near miss last night. That doesn't bode well for tonight since tonight's supposed to be bigger. And they do manage to, you know, convince some people, but there's a couple of really loud people who have not been happy with SG-1 being here at all to begin with. They've been very suspicious, like, what do you want from us? And it's like, wait, we just want to trade. Calm down. <laughs> well, with that in mind, it does crack me up. There's um, one of the guys who's vocal about wanting to stay is the guy that they had an earlier shot of where Jack and Lara during a bonding moment are walking along talking about, you know, On stuff the bridge, they come across yeah. the guy. Which, by the way, that set apparently is left over from another show that had ended in 1991, so they were using it for this. And apparently nice. they wanted to reuse it and had to Oof. just kind of move it around. But yeah, anyway, um, that guy's one of the guys. But I do actually like that scene, though, for kind of like glossing over something, which I just find hysterical. They kind of gloss over the uncomfortable topic uh, when, when he's talking to Lara. She's like, it's kind of funny, like, what could we trade for the knockwood that's in our soil? And he goes, well, lots of things, you know, like medicine, food, education. Oof. And I'm just like, Oof. oh, oh, <laughs> questionable, questionable. Just, mm. It's always super Maybe. sketch when to try to trade education. And I say that in quotes, education. <laughs> yeah. Maybe technology instead. Maybe say that. <laughs> yeah. Just education makes it sound like re-education, which is what yeah, it no, has no, been I, oftentimes in history. I completely missed that line. So I'm glad you brought it up because that's not a great line. Yeah. No, it's like, it brings just a to mind, slide like, that in under the radar. And exactly, kind of exactly. Yeah, and it's it's like, not great. I'm not saying it's what they're going for, but they're just like how it's no. like, that, that's a question of the dialogue there. That shows yeah, that the writer doesn't I think, think about that accident. stuff too deeply. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's more just, you know, those little things. But, hey, hey, bro. <laughs> yeah, maybe, no, no, maybe no. think that maybe, one maybe, again. Maybe don't put it like that. Just just an idea. But yeah, so they basically have, like, a town hall before the thing, and they, they managed to convince some people, but... Basically, a third of the town are going to stay behind. And I like when they say this. Daniel is so mad <laughs> at the third of these people who are staying behind. You can tell he doesn't, again, he doesn't have much to say in this episode. He says, like, wait, what? But the way he delivers, wait, what? He's just, like, furious with these idiots who've decided to stay behind. He hates that senseless, wa- senseless waste stuff. Yeah, because he's thinking about, like, you come through for a night, and then you can go back home. Like <laughs> He has the benefit of all the uh, facts, and he doesn't really care yeah. that they don't. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah, so basically we get this whole issue where 
because of how long it took some of the resistant people to like you know talk through it like if everyone had been cool with it i think we, we could have gotten everyone off planet fine but there were enough resistant people and also oh there was a mini scene that happened i think it was around the time that lara and um jack were having the little romantic walk on the bridge but we see daniel actually doing his actual job and not geology and he's like looking at broken pots in the cave which were just sitting on top of the dirt this entire time apparently but yeah you know, apparently whatever but he has a conversation with the kid again where he says yeah i think these are from your ancestors he basically says like maybe this is evidence that the last time like an extinction extinction event happened they survived it by holing up in this cave and Unfortunately, thanks to Daniel saying that, <laughs> when everyone's trying to evacuate, this kid decided he knew better than everyone and decided to go hide out in the cave. He and his girlfriend just anyone. peaced out. Just yeah, I like how they brought food and water, and then when people show up later, they're like, look, look what we did. And it's like, okay, cool, but did you tell anybody? No. No, he told no one. So what was, was the purpose there was here? The girl he liked, and that was it. He, like, took... I think he was fucking making shit up. I think he liked that cave as a little makeout corner and lost track of time. So then when his mom and Jack came looking for him, like, dude, we have to get out of here. Then he's like, uh, uh. Oh, wait, that was tonight? Yeah. I feel like that's really what happened here. Because it's like, you thought this was a good place to hole up, but you brought your girlfriend and no one else. Not even your mom. Maybe he okay, was buddy. hoping to do an Adam and Eve thing. Ugh, God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so because of that, Jack has to go run off with Lara to go look for her kid. And he sets S the rest of SG-1 up to help get the evacuation out. And it leads to, basically, <laughs> Sam sends Daniel through, because again, this is not his episode. <laughs> like, you go through with the main group. And her and Teal are waiting at the gate trying to wait for Jack. Dude, I love how this is a whole evacuation is shot, by the way. It's really cool. Yeah, it's great. It's really, there's definitely a sense of urgency, and David Ware Smith does a good job with them. Um, and it's like the faraway like kind movement. of panning shots. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of David Ware Smith and his shots, we basically, so Sam and Teal are waiting at the gate, and they wait and they wait, but like, it's, the, the, the gate's about to like, th there's, there's, uh, Meteorites or whatever they're called. I I can never remember the difference between asteroid, meteorite, and meteor. An I'm asteroid. Not okay, so, so an asteroid is <laughs> a big old rock in space that's in space and is just staying in space. So like an asteroid belt, that thing that's after Mars in our solar system. Okay. Um, a meteorite, a meteor is an asteroid or something along those lines. Past in this us. case. Well, in this case, it would be making contact with the atmosphere. Is when it makes a meteor. Um, a okay. meteorite oh, is when it the hits street. the ground. Yeah, okay. Yeah, got and it, then got once it. it makes it to the ground, it becomes a meteorite. There we go. But yeah, so there's there's been a couple of near strikes, and they're like, this is, we, we've only got so long. Especially because they do see, like, the gate starting to suffer from it. Like, like the power and everything. And, and they I wait, they that. wait, and they're like, yeah. I, the visuals are great. And on that visuals, when they finally decide, okay, we can't wait anymore, we have to jump through, we see Sam and Teal run for the gate. From the opposite side of the gate. Never we not see cool. through the translucent blue. It is really cool. You almost never get shots like that. 
Now, this episode is really cool for giving us that shot and also for later establishing something that I know we've actually talked about before and kind of questioned, where uh, when something is going through one way and it falls back through the event horizon, does it just fall away or does it dematerialize to never rematerialize again? And I guess according to this episode, it just goes away. Yeah. No, so I, it actually yeah. answers a question there, which I like. I like that little bit of world building. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that they do there later is great. But yeah, so they jump through and they get to SGC and like the gate closes right behind them and like Hammond is even like we almost lost you like <laughs> this this uh event horizon barely survived through you guys coming through once again kudos to the uh, ancients for building this thing this thing is how fucking old now and it's still managing to maintain wormholes through some you know active ongoing shit <laughs> conditions and still send yeah. its people through it's uh it's cargo it's like damn all right. You guys had a lot of flaws, but your engineering wasn't one of them. Exactly. Yeah. It was all personality. That was all. <laughs> Almost exclusively, it looks like. Yeah. But yeah, so <laughs> Teal'c wants to immediately dial back through and get Jack. And Sam's like, uh, there were some strikes really freaking close to the gate. Uh, you'd be going right into, like, a firestorm if you went through right now and basically like we have to wait like an hour or something for like yeah. the worst of it so they're like okay we have to wait and they try and dial through after an hour and like it dials but when they send a mouth through they get no signal which is where Ominous. they're like they basically decide it didn't materialize on the other side um which i guess that means the nakoda was still molten or something because as it later shows, the vortex thing that, you know, is the formation of the of the wormhole, wouldn't that have destroyed everything and made that pocket already for the mount to go through? So I'm guessing that means it filled um, back in again. So, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest, when Sam started talking about her particle beam science, I didn't pay too much attention because that's not something I know a whole bunch about. Uh, but I'm assuming that they, whatever she did with the particle beam accelerator had to happen first before that could be possible. It's just interesting because I feel, I, I, I question why, because the vortex is known to destroy everything oh, in its path. Oh, no, you know what it was? Okay, oh, no, so it's I, because, it, that's right, because if the barrier is close enough, the vortex a, doesn't form itself and doesn't do the destruction thingy. That's what yeah, it was. Because, um, yeah, because, um... I'm cut up. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I distinctly remember now. So, let's skip ahead to, like, the explanation real quick, because we'll get to what they do about it uh, later. But basically, we find out that because of like the heat from the meteorite striking and the Nakwada of the gate and everything, it basically it kept the gate fine, but it formed like its own lens Barrier, yeah. over the gate. Iris. Yeah. Which is why they need to get a particle a particle beam accelerator to break through the uh to heat it up, yeah. naturally formed lens so iris. that when they dial yeah iris thank you i couldn't <laughs> the naturally formed iris so that when they dial through the uh gate flaring will make the hole that they are able to use later yep here we go those are the health details because basically they're like well we were able to dial through so the gate's not destroyed like yeah so that's that's what's happening on the sg season uh meanwhile back on the planet Jack and Lara and her son and her son's girlfriend, girlfriend all hole up in the cave for a couple of days until, you know, everything's fine again. 
I'm not fine again. It's not fine. But, you know, until there's no more fire raining down from the sky. And then I come back to the village and find that uh, some more people obviously died from the meteorite showers. <laughs> and and yet, despite all the Nakoda and the ground and everything, none of these fireballs actually ignited or made anything explode or cover everything with dust and dirt and shit. They all actually managed to come through it relatively unscathed. Only thing I can assume is it was deep and I don't know, man. Because they do... I don't know. It's not refined enough to explode, maybe? Because we know refined Nakoda... I just find um, it convenient. Yeah, no, no. All I can think is it has to be refined. I don't know, man. But yeah, and, and the same guy who gave Jack an SU-1 to shit earlier decides to get mad at Jack again for, like, our village, uh, you know, because, uh, get mad at him again for, like, taking half of their village away. And he's like, um, I'm not gonna let you just stand here and yell at me for this. I fucking saved half your village. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Which, good for him. Good for him. I appreciate Jack having no goddamn patience for this man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So Jack tries to go to where the ring was. The, the the gate, but it's it's gone. There's just a big old hole there because a meteorite basically just struck exactly where the gate was. They love filming at whatever that quarry or uh, stone dumping ground is. <laughs> they yeah. love filming there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, quarries are great places for interesting textures to be filming right. in. I just love seeing the same place over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Jack's like, oh, shit <laughs> but he's thinking like you know it could just be buried maybe it could just be buried <laughs> um and at least the kid realizes he fucked up <laughs> i do appreciate that like the old the old guy is being a piece of shit and blaming jack for oh our our the rest of our village are stuck on the other side of the gate why'd you do this to us and it's like uh yeah but they'd be over here and dead if i hadn't which one's right. worse dumbass yeah, on SGC's side, there be- Sam comes up with that theory that we just worked out again live on our podcast. And basically, um, they figure out that if they can get, like, a pocket, they, they might be able to, you know, get break through the iris with the, um... Vortex. Yeah. Uh, so Sam needs to make a particle beam accelerator. <laughs> Which apparently and- she can just do... In a couple of months. Easily. Yeah. Uh, but there is there is a scene while she's working on it with her team where I was like, come on, Brad, you're better than this. Give me some show and no tell. Come on, dude. Where they just like, he just basically has Janet be like, you're pushing yourself because you're in love with Jack, right? Okay, <laughs> okay, like, okay, okay. No, I actually really like how they did it with her just I saying don't. you miss him. <laughs> And Sam says, yeah, and then she waits a second, and Janet just says very calmly and quietly, is this going to be a problem? Is this a problem? And Sam just I... says no, and Janet leaves it because she trusts her. I know you don't like it. I just, I'm, I disagree very respectfully, but I really love this scene. I think it has some gravitas and nuance to it. I think there's, n- I, <laughs> I don't think there's much nuance to it is my problem. I think the gravitas is there, but I think it's a whole lot of tell and very little show. Which I think comes down to the timing. Like they, I I feel like timing was an issue in this episode where there you have to really closely navigate 
how long you spend anywhere in this episode. And I just feel like this is part of the, this scene is honestly why I felt like maybe the first half where they were on the, on the planet should have been trimmed down just a little bit more. So you could have had more show of this two minute scene between Sam and Janet. That's why I feel like it's more tell than shows because it's a two minute scene. I, I, I honestly really disagree. I think they did a great job by not stating anything outright. She just, I think, I think they did a really good job with it, really. I, I really truly do. And I think if it had gone too long, it would have been annoying. It would have been hammy. Well, no, I don't. But they didn't do that at all. They the kept thing. it short and to the point. I really, I just, sorry, sorry, I disagree. I think the timing's perfect. No, no. I like it. I, I think the scene itself would have been fine with the length if we had gotten some show leading up to it. But we literally just get Sam saying, I'm going to make us a particle beam accelerator. And then the suggestion that it's been a little while that she's been working on it. And then I just felt like it was a little too forced into the scene for me. But that's, you know, that's an opinion side of things. I think I honestly, I pretty much disagree respectfully at every point. Yeah. It's one of the few times where I'm exactly on point with the uh, writer or and or director. I was like, I'm just here for the ride on this one. I, I liked their interaction, Janet and Sam. But I didn't, I don't know what dialogue I wanted there, but I didn't like the dialogue that was there. <laughs> but that's just a personal thing. So, but yeah, so there's the, the whole thing with you miss him. Is this going to be a problem? And Sam being like, no. And then Janet trusts her with it and walks off. And Sam continues to work on the particle beam accelerator. And while she's working on this end, we also get like off screen Daniel is trying to contact their allies to see if someone can fly over and pick Jack up. And their answer is the Tolan could be there in about a year. I find it interesting that they can get to other places super fast, but to this planet, that's going to take a while. It's because the Tolan don't give a shit about Earth. <laughs> I find it completely convenient to the storyline. Yeah. Oh, 100%. But yeah, so SGC, over at SGC, we're trying to solve um, the issue, but... Meanwhile, back on the planet, Lara's trying to get in Jack's pants. Yeah, she wastes no time. No, she doesn't. I guess she My feels God. that biological clock ticking. I suppose so. Dude, now I'm just getting a picture of um, Captain Hook and uh, the crocodile. Jack's Captain <laughs> Hook, and she's just coming up behind him. Tick, 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 tick. Oh my god. Yeah, she's deeply unsubtle. Of course, she was unsubtle even before they got trapped on the planet. <laughs> she was interested in in Jack from the beginning, but it's basically that side of things. There's a it's a lot of like slow, not much happening stuff where it's basically about like Jack's trying to dig up the gate on his own, but everyone else has to be worried about rebuilding. So like it, it's not much progress is happening and and Lara's basically trying to be like trying to like suddenly be like give up and just stay here because <laughs> of her biological talk talk <laughs> clock I guess I choose to think she was not just motivated by feelings but also by the fact that there was like four people left on this village and she's like dude there's gotta be more than there's gotta be more than, than us if, if we want to survive maybe yeah. she's trying to be altruistic about it. I do also think, so while I didn't like the the dialogue with the Sam and Janet thing, I do think, I do think that the dialogue he has in a, a later bit with Lara and Jack is uh, very good for A, it gives us the title of our episode. 
Oh, do you nice mean the I know what you meant scene? I'm not sure. Uh, it's the one where she's telling, she's talking to Jack about her grief after her husband yeah, died. Yeah, it's that whole scene. I, I, okay, yeah, it's because yeah. when she's, uh, he says, I'm just trying to figure out where a home, what direction home is. And she goes, it's over there, pointing towards the village. And he goes oh, up yeah, to the yeah. sky and goes, I meant up there. And she interrupts him and goes, I, you know, I know what you meant. And he just yeah, kind of like, yeah. lets his hand just kind of like do the awkward little pat down. I just love that. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was no, very, it's I thought a, the chemistry whole... there was really good. Yes, it is. For such but a rushed the, plot the line, I actually plays... kind of buy it. Yeah, absolutely. For the woman, the woman who plays Lara does a really good, nuanced job in this episode. Outside of, uh, aside from the parts the, that are uh, extremely forced. biological clock push thing going on here, the yeah. the plot that should have been dropped to begin with. I, I'm here for no shame because honestly, it's great that she just she says exactly what she wants when she wants it. That part I'm here for. Absolutely, good I just for find her. it interesting how fucking fast she moves. <laughs> Yeah, but um, the part that I like is that, and this is honestly like the concept of Jack's side of this episode, is that she goes to talk to him and um, she's basically like telling him about after her husband died, how she didn't leave her house for a hundred days. Like from the grief and like not knowing Coincidentally, about as long as he's there. Weird. Yeah. Uh, but basically, she's you know, trying to, you know, empathize comfort with him, him and yeah, and comfort him and basically be like, look, I, I know what you're going through, Commiserate. but you know, you do come out the other side and basically trying to help him come out to the other side, like to let go. I do think the fact that he's only been gone for about a hundred days, the fact that she comes to him and is like, hey, you want to toss out all your stuff from home? It's like, girl, it hasn't even been a year. <laughs> She has got a timetable, man. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she was starting to feel menopause coming on. It was like, no, I can do this. I can do this. But yeah. I got time. I, I got this. I got this in hand. Ha. There's, <laughs> there's one line that I do love that Jack says. I don't even remember what it was for, but I love it anyway. Where he's talking to Lara and he says, well, if Daniel's right. And he always And he is. always is. <laughs> Like, Daniel might not be in this episode, but he's still being mentioned. <laughs> yeah, it's when she comes in at one point and, uh, and she's saying that some of the others are afraid the fire rain's gonna come back. And he's like, nah, if Daniel's right, and he always is, it'll, it'll be another 150 years before it gets that bad. It's what I think the dialogue meant to be saying there, because again, it was a bit awkward. It could have it used an extra sentence, because what he says is just that it won't be back for 150 years. But instead, I think they meant, well, no, it'll come back next year like it always does, yeah. but it won't be at that intensity again for 150 years. Yeah, okay, yeah, because during that scene with Tim and Tilk and the sun, they were talking about this happened this long ago. Yeah. And there tends to be a pattern to that type of thing. Yeah, because okay, the, uh, yeah. the orbit's a little uneven, so it tends to hit a denser part of the cloud every yeah, 150 okay. years or so. But yeah, so this part of the episode is just about Jack starting to slowly settle down Wait, into the town. That's not just uh, Daniel that was right, then. That's Sam, technically, because she's the one who did the uh, figuring out about that. That geologic record was a, it had to be a hazardous guess at best, because it's just a couple of lines on a wall. That's not going to be nearly as precise as her uh, rendering of the uh, solar so system. So her, her, she might have been the one to say the time period. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm just realizing uh, that the but uh, I know a little he incorrect was a... in the dialogue. Yeah, maybe, uh, but... I do, I do now that you've mentioned that, remember that, I explicitly remember because there was this whole well shot scene where like Daniel and Teal'c are talking out the fact that, because he's like, no, this is not, this is a sign of um, an extinction event. And 
he's like having this discussion with Teal with the kids in between and the kids keep looking between them like their heads bobbing back and forth as they basically say this is gonna happen again soon yeah so like yeah that, that's still said an it. estimate at best and sam's is the one that's oh, gonna absolutely. be a little more precise you know because it involves real math so i find it just a little interesting yeah, that, whereas, yeah the line there got think, with, a little uh, misattributed with rock striations uh you can i don't even know if you can go within like a not by eye you'd have to use like i think a lot more precise tech and he didn't seem to have that on hand so yeah i find that to be just a slight incorrect detail in the episode with the dialogue choice listen daniel's barely in this episode to begin with let him they're desperate (laughs) it was brad wright throwing daniel a bone like here you still exist uh, but yeah, so it's this whole part of the episode is just Jack, you know, accepting that he's going to be stuck here. But he's still not quite giving, like, he's starting to settle into the town. You see him wearing her dead husband's clothes. <laughs> but I do love that like, he's wearing, like, the, the farmer gear or whatever, but he's still got his, like, wraparound Air Force sunglasses. <laughs> Uh, but this is, we see him, like, canoeing, and then he goes up to Lara at the water's edge, and this is where she's like, hey, you want to chuck all your stuff from home? I know it's only been 90 days. Well, you know, they've already gotten late at that point. You know, they did a dance, found out they're meant to be betrothed by the ancestors. Bang. <laughs> quote, quote, did a dance where they do this whole thing where, um, this, this town has this, uh, tradition where someone wants to hook up they tie a blindfold around themselves and like spin around on the dance floor and the person they run into is the person that's their destined except the son does it and jack's like he definitely peaked (laughs) to find his girlfriend this could be this could be desperately incorrect i i do not remember i don't even know if this is from like an actual book or just like a piece of you know crappy historical fiction yeah but if i am at all remembering this correctly that could be based on a tradition that was, if I remember right, Spartan in origin, where they'd put all the uh, young, viable kids in a room that was dark and make them run. <laughs> and whoever they caught was the person they were going to marry. <laughs> so I think Maybe, it be I don't know. If, it, if there's any sort of link there, I could see it being there. But yeah, strong if and only if there, if a fa. <laughs> so the kid peeks, and then they do the same thing to Jack, but literally everyone on the dance floor just spins Jack at Lara. <laughs> there's no dancing, there's no him spinning. They literally just, they forcefully spin the bottle him at Lara. <laughs> It's like, I don't know about (laughs) destined there, guys. I mean, there's multiple kinds of destiny, I guess. (laughs) Sure. But yeah, so, um, and Jack's still a little like, this stuff's still good? (laughs) Because he still doesn't want to let go of home, you know? Oh, by the way. It's not even been a year. Real quick, speaking of things that this uh, episode completely glosses over, he is drunk as a skunk and she gets him laid. So, oh, yeah, that's not great. There's yeah. not a lot of consent there. She goes, I want a baby. And he goes, oh, okay, cool. I'm over the trauma of my dead kid. Um, Yeah, let's do this. And I'm sitting there going, how many shots in are you are you in, man? Like, how many? Well, this, we saw hmm. him do at least two shots. Minimum. So, yeah. and he doesn't seem like somebody who goes home and does shots on a regular basis. So I just, I, I question his tolerance to the foreign alien moonshine. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to point out this episode does gloss over no, a consent yeah. issue there. Yeah. It's never great. I'm not saying it's like Seska levels of non-consent, but no. it's not great. Yeah. So she's trying to really put, especially because I guess she got what she wanted out of him now, so now she's got to lock him down. Baby juice. Yeah, um, so she's really trying to push, like, giving up, and he's still, like, hesitant, but he's kind of giving in to, like, yeah, sure, dump it. I don't know, it seems a little bit emotionally blackmailing, but whatever. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. 100% it was. It's not great. It's not a great scene. But meanwhile, back at SGC, they have finished the particle beam, and they shoot it through, and they send him out through, and they get a signal and a video, but then it dies. And Sam's like, hang on, play back what we got. And they see that, like, you know, when they dialed through, the event horizon clearly cleared, you know, a path with the, the, the bloom in the rock. And they're like, well, why did the mouth die? And they're like, oh, it's because we're right. And the gate is horizontal. And the mouth fell back into the gate and vaporized. Well, dematerialized. Never dematerialized, true dematerialized. yeah. They're both gone. It's gone. That's the. But so they're like, okay, well, in that case, um, I love every time they casually throw away like what thirteen million dollars. Oh God, yeah. Um. So at this point, it's Teal'c's job because Teal'c, like Hammond, didn't like obviously. This happens off screen, I guess. Teal'c actually volunteering because when Sam says what the plan is, she's like, "Yeah," and then we have someone go through after we confirm that there is a viable you know, place someone. to go through to, and dig their way out from underneath. And Hammond's like, "I'm sure Teal'c will volunteer for that," and I assume he did because we don't see it on screen. <laughs> it's so assumed they never even bothered. But to be fair, if you're gonna assume anything, that's a thing to assume because oh, yeah. Teal'c no. is already Teal'c like, is always the one campaigning hard storm. to do this shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially because it's Jack. He's going back for Jack. You know, Teal'c is the personification of loyalty, so he'll always be that dude. Absolutely. But yeah, so so Teal'c, it's time for Teal'c's job, and Sam's like, okay, so it's horizontal. So as soon as you get through, you gotta fasten yourself to the ceiling so you don't fall back in through the gate. He's like, all right, come back. Yeah. Uh, And they're like, so if you don't dig your way out in time, you're going to die (laughs) because you only have like four hours of oxygen. We can't dial through again because the the event horizon will vaporize you when it dials through. (laughs) Like, you know, this is you you are taking your life into account here. Like you're going through and you have to dig out or you will die down there. And he's like, yes, of course. I, you know. And uh, as he's about to go through, he does another wish me blah, 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 blah. And this is where they're like, oh, poor Michael. He's not in any of this episode. You can be in the control room with Sam. (laughs) So when Teal'c says that, I do love that you could actually see Michael Shanks in his acting have Daniel translate in his head. Like you see him do this kind of look up. It looks exactly like someone translating something in their head silently. And then he goes, Cataloging. Good luck, Teal'c. <laughs> it's my favorite Daniel moment in this whole episode. Because <laughs> there's not much Daniel in this episode. <laughs> I just love him. Just good luck, Teal'c. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Teal'c goes through, fastens himself in, and starts to dig. And after a while, they're like, okay, we, we can't maintain the gate any longer. Teal, we're going to have to drop it. At which point, you'll be alone. You'll have four hours of oxygen. Good luck. 
get out, <laughs> please, <laughs> you know? And um, because they're communicating to him with the, the walkie-talkies and everything, Lara, who is about to toss Jack's shit away, also hears Sam giving the countdown to Teal about how they're about to disconnect the gate. My exact note on that, by the way, was Jesus fucking Christ, the timing. Yeah! <laughs> um, speaking of timing, she waits a good couple hours to tell Jack this. My next note is, wow, she left that till late. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, I get it, because it's definitely suggesting that she's struggling with whether to tell him. And the actress is a, the actress does a great job of, like, showing her conflict. Oh, she was a great actor. Yeah. I mean, th- they knew that for this role, for a background character, they needed someone who could do the job. But yeah, so they're at dinner. She's clearly struggling for a bit. And then she finally tells Jack, hey, uh, I heard voices through this thing. And as soon as Jack hears that, he runs to where the gate was. And he's, like, calling on the walkie-talkie as he's approaching. And Teal'c responds. And he's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm digging my way out, but I'm almost out of oxygen. And so Jack's like, I'm right above you. I'm, And thankfully, they've all got, like, their little... This is the first confirmation we have that they have, like, trackers on themselves do i do love that little detail though this episode's really detail rich i like it yeah there's a lot of different glosses over plenty but then has other detail it's funny i think that comes down to the story being written by one person but the teleplay being written by the showrunner but yeah so he finds where teal is and starts digging from the top but like I sent you, I sent you this one text because he he starts digging from the top and uh, the kid is helping, and Lara comes up at this point and Jack actually pauses in the middle of digging to like give her this meaningful look like yeah I'm going home, <laughs> and she obviously knows that and like gives him like the sorrowful look back and my text to you was uh where is it where the hell is it. Jack, I get this is an emotional moment, but Teal'c said he was low on oxygen. Maybe look longingly at Lara after you get him out. (laughs) There's this scene that I fucking love in Rick and Morty. Rick's having his brain melted, and Nathan Fillion playing a bug is in there with him. And Rick has a minor meltdown about the Szechuan sauce from the Mulan (laughs) promo in McDonald's years and years ago. And while he's having this meltdown, Nathan Fillion all of a sudden interrupts and goes... Rick, your brain is melting while you're doing this bit. (laughs) And I just, I'm always on the fucking floor every time I hear that. (laughs) While you're doing this bit, your brain is literally melting. (laughs) And so all I can think there with uh, Jack is, Jack, while you're doing this, Teal'c is literally suffocating. suffocating. (laughs) But sure, you have time for this. In his defense, he pauses for maybe 20 seconds, but I'm still like, Jack, come on, dude. It's still hysterical. Yes. But yeah, so he goes back and digs Teal'c out, and then we get, like, a cut to where they've managed to dig it all out. So we don't need to see this happen, because we know it's going to happen. We get a time cut where they've managed to dig it out enough to where all of the villagers who went through to SGC are now back home. Yep, they get that thing upright and everything. Yeah, and SG-1 are here to bring Jack back, (laughs) and there's the... Lara and Jack have to have a meaningful goodbye. Sam tries to have a meaningful hello, but Jack's a little distracted. <laughs> I do rough. love Sam's uh, rough. 
I do love the wince at the end that does heavily indicate, yes, we are going down this territory, this road now. This is, yes, this is a storyline we're going to be pursuing to the audience where she's kind of very pointedly off, you know, on cameras, kind of like looking off like, ah, oh, fuck, as he's uh, yeah. saying goodbye. I like that one. <laughs> it's a little heavy handed, but in the way that you just expect. It's like, yeah, no, we're about to do this shit. Exactly. Buckle yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, it's, of course, uh, they start to really buckle up with it in an episode written by one of the showrunners. You got it with that kind of shit. But yeah, so, but I love that he, like, kind of just walks past Sam to say goodbye to Lara. And Sam's like, uh, is he alright? What's going on? And I do love that Daniel is the one who's like, yeah, he just needs to, uh, he realizes he's gonna be saying goodbye, you know? Yeah, he didn't think he was gonna be going home. Yeah, and I think it's so important that Daniel's the one who, A, recognizes this and says it. Because this has happened to Daniel on multiple occasions now. It's just yeah, they it's do share a this. great through line. To, again, Brad Wright, well done. To have Daniel be the one to recognize it in an instant. Be like, oh yeah, I know what that look is. But yeah, it's uh, Jack says goodbye to Lara. They're like, you know, it's not goodbye, goodbye. You know, we have a treaty now. We'll you know visit and everything. But it, it is goodbye. We're not coming back here. <laughs> And uh, you told me, apparently, originally, there was supposed to be a whole plot line where he did get her pregnant, and there, and I don't like that. <laughs> There's nothing official. It just does say that it was um, based on the fact that she's holding her stomach the way she is um, at the uh, parting shot. It does seem to indicate that they were going to go with that storyline. However, this episode was never produced or aired with the plot surrounding her pregnancy and or O'Neill's discovery of a child, which may render this possibility moot. <laughs> However, this possibility is briefly mentioned in the eighth episode, Citizen Joe, which I don't know what that one is. Eighth episode of what? <laughs> oh, I, oh, eighth I can season tell you why. episode. Sorry, eighth season episode. I can read. I'm literate. What do you want? I can tell you why it's uh, briefly brought up. Hmm. Because when I was trying to confirm that VC James has in fact not been involved, that's the excerpt now. Yeah, excerpt. So it's going to be a, a clip show bit. But yeah, so there you go. I mean, that, yeah, that, that's what right. you brought up before. Sometimes these things just don't come back because it turns out that they didn't want to go down that route. They probably realized they already had enough contention going on between uh, Jack and Sam, didn't need that extra layer. Plus, that would have also yeah, been a really awkward storyline to just never bring up again, too. It's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I have a kid. Uh-huh. Especially with Jack. It's like, I think they yeah. realized, like, uh... Considering his trauma with children, he yeah. wouldn't just fucking leave this kid there. They were like, oh, wait, shit, never mind. Roll this back, roll it back, roll it back. But yeah. So... That's that's it for hundred days. Jack that's says it. goodbye to uh Maybe Lauren. pregnant lady. No, 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 no. But yeah, that is it for this episode. It's not it's it's again, it's one of those kind of abrupt wrap ups, but outside of the fact yeah. that there's that totally dropped storyline, it's just like, okay, we everyone's home. Time to go home, <laughs> you know. It's not a wildly for for a near extinction level event happening in this episode it's one of the less eventful episodes yeah it's one of it's one of those episodes that it's more about like the feeling instead of things that are happening you know the the atmosphere the yes, atmosphere is the episode yeah. there we go that's the word i was looking for but yeah let's talk about death tally he looked me a bit of a go for close. it. close. <laughs> yeah, he tried. A certain oh, amount of died. unnamed villagers. Yeah, three Malps. Those poor Malps. Poor guys. Yeah, some villagers died. But no one at SG-1 did. Just $50 million Jack did dollars get in tech. declared missing in action, which if you're missing yeah. in action long enough, you're dead. But 
I don't, how long is it? Like five years you have to be missing? Oh, action hell if I know. Yet? Hell if I know. Hell if I know. I know it's a while. Like a hundred yeah. days wouldn't do it. You're not dead at that point. Because we do technically have the legally dead tally as well, which currently Daniel is only a member of. Right, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so no one died. Uh, are you a Jack or are you a Daniel this episode? I'm Jack, mostly. I tried to be Daniel, but he's just not in it enough, you know? He's, I wasn't going to be yeah. on Straw, for example, and yeah, so on. So I, he made a valiant effort with his limited time, but... Yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoyed what little of Daniel we got in this episode, but, um, it's, it's another one of those where it's like, he's just not in here. <laughs> it's kind of like the foothold episode where it's like, I have to be a Jack because Daniel's in, Daniel Daniel is in two minutes of this episode. <laughs> right? So it's like, yeah, I guess, you know, love to, but, but I can't. do, I, I am very Jack in the not letting that fucking villager try and blame me for saving half of his village. Like, get yeah, the exactly. fuck out that of here, dude. Yeah, exactly. That same indignance is there, so yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's I not a hardship to be Jack in this one. I wouldn't have, uh, hooked up with the local yeah, no, like he no, did, I would have taken a little bit longer, I think, to get down that road. But... Yeah, a little bit longer, but, uh... But I would have also been kind of stubborn like Jack. My boyfriend likes to call me a stubborn ass a lot. He's he's not wrong when he says it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm very stubborn, too. Uh, I, I do know this about you, yes. Yeah. Ooh, what? What? Mm, yeah, no. Shocking. Shock. Uh, so, Joaquin Phoenix for this episode. Yeah, thumbs up. It wasn't bad at all. I like it. Yeah. It's a little messed up. It's got a lot of convenience, but there's nothing about it that I actually hate, so fuck it. No, and it's, it's, uh, it's 100 well days is... Oh, yeah. Speaking of, did we want to give David Wary Smith another talent? You know what? I do like their shots, so fuck it. I'm in a good mood. Yeah, I really loved the shot through the back of the gate. Yeah, I loved um, the whole evacuation thing. That was great. Yeah, the the evacuation was great The kiss scene was pretty funny. I I do always love it when actors have to sit there macking on each other while a camera goes, woo, woo, around them in a circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I think David Wary Smith did, like, David Wary Smith obviously is one of our uh favorite because he's on the hall of fame already but you know even though he's a regular director there's certain episodes where it's like you really came out and did your job today you know and i think i think for an episode like this where there's not a lot happening having a good director on the job is important oh yeah hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah and he did his job yes he did uh so yeah that's it for this week. Next week, we are covering Season 3, Episode 18, Shades of Grey. The synopsis for this episode. On a mission to Talana, O'Neill steals a weapon and takes it back to Earth. When Hammond discovers the deception, he suspends O'Neill, but O'Neill's misconduct is only the beginning of a mystery that could have catastrophic consequences. I immediately remember what episode this is, and I'm not a fan. I fucking hate this episode. Yeah. This episode is fucking garbage. I don't like the the trope of this episode. Trope's maybe it's not the right- It's stupid! I, the conceit. The con- I don't like the conceit of this episode. I hate it. Yeah. Oh, looking forward Glasner, to that. Glasner, Glasner. It's his last one, though. <laughs> it's Glasner's last one? Last of 13. Oh. Thank Christ. Rough to go out on that. <laughs> Any exit's an exit. Yeah. I'm done with him. I'm done. He has ruined his goodwill with me. 
Yeah, he started strong and then just kept down. Although, in his like defense, he still did forever and a day. I don't care. He's out of goodwill. Bye. He should have gone out on forever and a day. Bye. No, yeah. I'm unsympathetic. Bye. Listen, I can't hate him because Forever and Day was masterfully constructed, but I'm glad yeah. he's gone too. <laughs> cool. Well, but yeah, that's it. That's it. Until I then. I knew we could get it under two oh, hours. Yeah. We're doing much better with this now. We're doing now. much better. Hell yeah. Having time constraints helps, but yes. So, uh, that's it for this week. We know what we're doing next week, unfortunately. Yeah. Woo. But until then... If you want to get a hold of us, you can find me on Twitter at itsmelnotless or our podcast Twitter at pointoforiginpc. You can also email us at pointoforigincast at gmail.com or write something on the side of a tissue box and toss it through the nearest wormhole. You can find links to things we talked about during the show in the show notes. And if you like the show, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you for joining us on our incursion through the iris. And until next time. Bye.